Welcome to the Behavioral Design Podcast. Uh, I'm Samuel Salter, and I'm here with my co-host, Aline Holsworth. Hey, Aline. Hi, hi. How's it going? Pretty cold, pretty snowy here in Stockholm. Oh, man. Well, it is wintertime, so I guess <laughs> that's the way yeah. the cookie crumbles. <laughs> there you go. As, as they say. Uh, <laughs> as they say. Uh, yeah, but um, very early, early winter here, so trying to stay warm. Yeah, we, we have really interesting final product deep dive this week. And I think it's a really interesting topic. And this is a little bit of breaking the fourth wall or something. But I see in the notes that you've asked, should we talk about our own medication use? <laughs> well, see, here's the thing. Like, I like to start off our, our deep dives by asking you some sort of relevant prompting question. And so it's often about the product itself and and the the natural one since our since our product uh, for this episode is the pill bottle it is hey do you take any medications but as i was thinking about this i, I thought like is that way too private and personal of a question and uh yeah i think i think probably it is i i don't think i'm comfortable asking you if you take any medications well maybe <laughs> we can do it do it like historically and said so that there's definitely been periods where I've, uh-huh. I've had to do that. And I guess it's, it's interesting because, you know, both of us having worked a long time in applied behavioral science, where we so often talk about this kind of intention action gap. I don't know. It's just really fascinating when it regards your, you know, direct well-being. And, and oftentimes some medication you take to save your life, to really, mm-hmm. for really important purposes, not just some form of like on the lighter side, taking some form of vitamin D during yeah. winter, as maybe I should right now, <laughs> but but really for for our survival and still maybe in our personal life, but also you know working a lot both of us in kind of digital health and similar to kind of insurance pharmaceutical kind of challenges when it comes to supporting people in doing something that they have all the incentives to do. Yeah, but exactly. That, that's the big it. conundrum, right? Is it's like, this is so important for you. Um, and yet there's still this gap. No, it's interesting. And over the years, I've worked with so many pharma companies, and this is always the number one issue that that they're interested in solving, you know, from a from a behavioral perspective. And so it's a really interesting one. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to talk about, you know, how the pill bottle can can contribute to medication adherence. Um, and I think maybe the, the first thing to say is that maybe it's not a, a, a bottle at all, right? So like we've framed this in terms of a bottle, but as soon as you get to more than, I would say more than two medications, you really need a pill box. <laughs> like a, a mm. bottle is no, mm. having a, you know, three or four bottles on your counter becomes uh, really, really sort of burdensome. And there's lots of evidence showing that just using a pill box um, alone has a huge impact on increasing medication adherence. Yeah, and it, it seems like, um, you know, as soon as you start going from like taking one medication to two and three and, and yeah, we don't have to go into healthcare systems and complexity. And, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and how they vary across <laughs> across continents. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but definitely, like you say, it's, it becomes a, more of a increased challenge not only to ensure people take it, but also avoid, you know, taking the wrong things at the same time and and so on as well. Uh, So yeah, it is a really tricky challenge, but a fun one to dive into. And uh, yeah, where where do you think we should start? Well, I thought that we could sort of organize this conversation using a quick and dirty framework that I've stolen from the Behavioral Insights team, or or stolen and adapted, let's, let's say that. And so, of course, probably all of our listeners know about EAST, the mnemonic for um, easy, attractive, social, and timely. Uh, just a way of thinking through, you know, how, what how to improve your 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 interventions by you know making them these ways. I and mean, you can th- think of all the different kinds of ways to make your product or a program or intervention easy, attractive, social, and timely. So I've sort of in my own work as a way of um, using this for. You know, almost kind of a sanity check to make sure have I forgotten anything obvious is to actually replace timely with what I think is maybe the an umbrella category over timely, which is a P for personalized. And I think that mm. for me, 
timely is just one way of being personalized. And, and, you know, timing is obviously very important, but I think maybe the higher level category in, in my own work has been personalization. And that is, has ended up being really important with, I would say, pretty much every product that, that I've worked on. And especially these days with machine learning and, and yeah. in the, the ability to more easily tailor to the individual, I think it, to not have personalization as a top level category seems, <laughs> seems just a bit short-sighted. So even though ESP with a P does not, <laughs> like, like no one wants to say that, it's not a word. Um, Can we say I'm, tailored still or something like that, maybe? Huh. That is nice, but having the same word, <laughs> yeah. I, like, I feel like there are other problems introduced with that. Yeah, but I, I think that's a great setup for, for structuring things. And yeah, I actually used this, you know, Oftentimes for communicating, I think it's a useful framework when kind of like categorizing and communicating yeah. things. So yeah, very good. And I like your kind of modification as well. So like adaptation. And obviously you lose all the nuance with these very broad categories, but but you know, I think especially for, you know, maybe people who are just getting started in behavioral science or people who are not behavioral scientists, it can be a really useful sort of guiding framework. And for me, yeah, it's also nice to be able to categorize this in order to present it more fluently, right? So we can go through the, the easy category and then we can go through the attractive category and so on. And it, it just kind of, you know, chunks, chunks these in a way that reduces cognitive load. Yes. You see, listeners, <laughs> we care about your cognitive uh, Exactly. Load and, yeah. <laughs> Look at us. Um, so, uh, yeah. so, should we get started with E for for easy? Yes, yes. So, obviously, you want to make your medication taking as easy as possible, and and that includes all the steps along the way, from you know filling your prescription in the first place, uh, you know, or e even before that, right? Like knowing which prescription to get, filling the prescription, picking up the prescription. If you imagine the whole journey map and all the steps uh, along the way towards perfect medication adherence, it's not just you know taking it in the morning and in the evening. It's making sure that you have all the refills. And so, if you think about how do we make every single step seamless and maybe automatic, that's sort of how you get to um, an easier medication management uh, experience. And so one thing that this reminds me of actually is our conversation with Steph Habif at, at Tandem Diabetes mm. a few episodes ago, yeah. right? She was talking about how the automatic titration, you know, where possible through the insulin pump can really help people. Of course, you, most medications aren't automatically titrated, but you can automate other things, for example. So you, you can, you know, there are some services that can load your pillbox for you, that can automate your refill process. And, and even if they cannot, you know, inject the, the drug into your body, they can make this management uh, easier in other ways. And I think that one thing that you see in medication adherence solutions is this concept of tracking, medication tracking. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think there there are some very well-intentioned solutions out there. And the process is basically you log that you've taken your medication through an app or maybe you scan the bottle, um, you know, some some way of of approving <laughs> or not improving, just you know, stating that you've taken your medication. And this to me often feels like the the benefits uh, might not outweigh this this cost of the the tracking uh, burden, right? There's a lot of friction to doing that. And if you don't do it perfectly, the second that you don't do it perfectly, you have this, this confusion about did I or didn't I? <laughs> and that's yeah. another thing that 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 maybe you can automate through the pillbox itself. If tracking is important. Yeah, definitely a lot of automation possibilities. And I'm I'm thinking as well about because part of this is kind of like obviously making it easy from, as we alluded to, finding ways to, along the way, make everything happen by itself in some ways. But I guess I naturally, coming from kind of my habit background, uh, also think about kind of how do we make it easy and seamless to kind of integrate it into mm -hmm. whatever daily routine or life uh, and so on that they have. And I think, you know, this is a little bit more of like less 
cool and automatic in terms of like, or how do you say, it's less cool in that like, <laughs> it's more some basic behavioral science stuff, but... It's less tech implementation, forward. <laughs> yeah, tech, less tech forward. But just, just really reinforcing some level of implementation intentions, uh-huh. I think is sometimes kind of overlooked in terms of really understanding, okay, in terms of making it easy, how do we ensure that the person obviously knows what to do, uh, have it integrated in a time and place when they will always be able to do it uh, without much kind of other interference that could make it so that they forget about it or get distracted mm-hmm. and X, Y, and C. And how do, how do we create this like really strong kind of like implementation intention so that they can like start to basically understand the connection of like what they're supposed to do, when they're supposed to do it, how, uh, and so on. And yeah, I think that's also something interesting to kind of explore in the early early phase of introducing this as you obviously also, like you say, I think you had a good examples of how you can still do a lot of things automatically. But yeah, what do you think about that side of it as well? Yeah, yeah. So you establish early on what is your cue for taking your medication. And often it's something like, you know, my, when I, after I brush my teeth, I will t- take my medication. And, and that works especially well if you have a, a twice daily medication regimen. Um, not so much if you have to take something at lunch, but then, you know, maybe you can pair with your meals and so on. But yeah, I think some some upfront design, especially if you're if your regimen doesn't change over time, right? It can get complicated if it does. But actually, this does remind me of a, of a study that I ran with Medtronic. This mm-hmm. was back in my in my pattern health days where we, we had a, almost like it was a recurring implementation intention. So often when you think of implementation intentions, you think of a sort of one-time setup in the beginning that sort of lasts and and is a consistent cue. But we the use case that we were working with was actually a, a more inconsistent regimen. And so we wanted to be able to, to make sure that people could on the fly, uh, based on changes in their needs for a, a medication, could actually adapt to that and set an, a different implementation over time. And so we have this, this whole uh, the process for you know deciding on a basically a daily cadence, not every day, but when it was necessary to, to change the regimen when they would uh, they would take their medication or or or, or step on the scale or or do the behavior change that was necessary and so we it was it was either paired with one of the meals or with toothbrushing those are really the common uh, you know staples yeah. in everyone's daily <laughs> you know daily activity diet and we found that that actually doubled their likelihood of of doing the thing which was just from a impact perspective incredible right like you don't yeah. usually get that kind of that kind of lift from any sort of intervention um so we were we were very happy with that but yeah i think that in combination with making it easy but having these sorts of cues to trigger you know it, it doesn't work of course if if the person doesn't set their implementation intention and so sure. you're you're still relying on uh, on users to you know be motivated and and do the thing in, in those other ways yeah, so I, I usually have this kind of basically when trying to design for some of these things, considering obviously, you know, how do we uh, in a perfect scenario get things to happen where, you know, we drive up some level of ability or motivation. So it, it happens, but also understanding that there will be risk for whatever first cue or first signal that you're trying to kind of like build as strong as possible, that it fails. And then you can have some like mitigation strategies or Worst case scenario, people will kind of completely fall off and you have some form of recovery mechanisms mm-hmm. to like get them back on track. So like, for example, like what I want to come to is basically some level of escalation ladder of thinking about reminders or things. Exactly. Where, you know, there's like some things that's like, the, you know, ideally they would kind of set up some form of implementation attention. It will kind of be reminded through the thing you connected to, like you say, brushing your teeth or eating or drinking your athletic green, whatever thing people do these days in the mornings. <laughs> but uh, but then like, if that fails, you know, having some like level of escalation to like, okay, yeah. how, how can we uh, well, ensure that happens? I feel like you're setting me up for this, but interestingly, okay. that is, I've worked with a product that that worked in exactly this way back oh, yeah. in my well, in my days at Duke. We we worked with a company that was called Vitality, and they had this this product, Glow Caps. Um, I actually mm. I recently tried to find them, and I couldn't. So 
uh, we can think about what that means for for their product. Uh, but but I'll tell you how their their product worked. They basically had this Bluetooth enabled uh, smart pill bottle um, where where it's time to take your medication, and they have this night light that once it's time to to take it, it turn it changes color, so it it, it notifies you. Mm. Okay, it's time. To, and I think it, you know maybe it it starts with an orange and then it turns red once you pass your time. So it's it's notifying you um, that it's time. But if if you sort of miss your your dosage time, then the bottle starts. <laughs> beeping and you know, it's just making this big fuss. <laughs> right. um, and it's a, it's actually a horrible sound. You know, I had to work with these in the lab and sometimes they would occasionally go off and everyone in the lab would just be like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what is happening? Is there a fire alarm? It was quite aversive. Yeah, they really, they really had a, you know, the ladder went pretty far. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But this wasn't even the end of the ladder, right? If you, if you then ignored it at this point, they actually had the ability to send a message to a family member or friend, you know, whoever you designated mm-hmm. either by text or email as this additional step of accountability. And and so this definitely, definitely fit into that category of uh, <sighs> tears yeah. of escalation. But I am curious what happened to the glow cap and why I can't find any Really, any any product that does this exact thing on the market right yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do remember. Also, I don't know exactly when you did this, but I remember like working on some of these projects or similar things, or hearing about some of mm-hmm. various interventions. And like five five ten years ago, like the glow cap. Yeah, this was like ten years was, ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember that being kind of like you heard a lot about that, but I haven't as well heard too much. Actually, one example that is much more how do you say, like, simple of sort, but actually is well done, is with Duolingo, they have this now, you know, you can add, like, a widget to your screen. And they do this quite well where they have, like, the widget updating across the day, I think maybe across maybe 15 or 20 iterations. And so in the in the beginning of the day, you see, like, this kind of image of this, you know, Duolingo, I guess it's from a bird. Uh, uh, it's an owl, right? It's an owl, yes. And uh, it's kind of happy or it's like abstract, some form of like strange things going on just to kind uh-huh. of be getting your attention. And then as you kind of wait, it starts to become a little bit more and more desperate across the day. If I'm looking right now, it's kind of looking at me a little bit like skeptically in a way, like, are yeah. you going to do this or not? <laughs> uh, yeah. About 4 p.m. Uh, and then, you know, towards the evening, it will become like orange and then it will be like, firestorm or like whatever and hellfire escape of like do this now or all will be lost yeah and that is obviously happening only on my home screen when i'm having to scroll through it or swipe through it on my phone but actually surprisingly well on the home screen of the app or if you just open your phone it's it's there with your yeah so it's actually so a widget that you can add to your yeah so it's a widget you Uh can add to your 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 main screen and so it's. I have it on one of my two main screens that I always swipe through, and uh, it's it's actually performing quite well, especially when things like notifications are hard to to get people to actually respond to these days. And I feel like they are one of the few who has really been creative with kind of a really playful but but also well designed widget to kind of yeah. find some space in the home screen. Yeah, I feel like the the widget brings lots of opportunities for for more subtle reminders that that notifications were were not doing well at all so that's a <laughs> good job on the the widget development front but yeah. it's funny though i the your description of the owl and it's been a while since i've used duolingo i lost my string a couple of years ago and never went back um, but <laughs> <laughs> but but we had you know I'm, I'm tempted to say that that Duolingo stole this from Pattern Health who where we had a we had a, a smart a pet the, the this uh, this little virtual turtle and the turtle mm-hmm. Virgil would also react to your adherence to your 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 tasks and your care plans so if you would you know forget to take your medication for example Virgil would not be very happy with you and and the turtle went through different a series of different states. Um, as you progressively uh, lost track of uh, of your care plan more and more over time. Yeah, you hear that, Duolingo people? Give give credit to <laughs> do they? Real OG. 
<laughs> I mean, like they should come to you and say, like, hey, yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah, were, yeah. you were first. Right. Um, it's, a, it's an owl, though, so it was totally different from the turtle. <laughs> cool. So we have now covered a few things to make it easier. Have you got any more ideas for ways to make it more, more easy to take your medication? So I found one uh, very interesting product that, that does something I had not thought of myself. And, and this company, uh, Asobu, basically takes a water mm. bottle and installs a pill, uh, like a, a Monday through Sunday pill box into the water bottle itself. And so it's just, it's one water bottle with an attached uh, I know it's hard to imagine. You almost have to. <laughs> you almost have to look at the, the the image. But think about it, right? This bundling you've got. You when you take your medications, often if they're pills, they you have to take them with water. Why not have the water conveniently there already when you're taking your pills? And I think that that this kind of solution could work really well if you're the kind of person who carries your water bottle with you everywhere, right? It's not going to get lost. It's always handy. Um, of course, if you're if you're the kind of person who doesn't carry their water bottle around with them everywhere, or, you know, I guess maybe if you, if you left it by your toothbrushing station, maybe it could work. But the risk to me in this situation is you lose your water bottle and you lose all your medications, right? Or you leave it in the car and, and now. So I think right. in general, the yeah. recommendation is like, leave your meds in one place and know that they're always there. <laughs> yeah, but I actually looking it up now and seeing it, I think it is in a similar vein of trying to actually as also maybe with kind of the widget idea in some ways of trying to place your kind of daily medication taking into your natural life in some ways whether that's through like being reminded of it in places you already kind of happen to be where that could be your phone that could be your kitchen it could be certain things that you're always going to be going to but especially with this like i, I do admire the ingenuity it is in, creative. In this together. It's very yeah. creative. And and if you think about, so you know, we talked about the recommendation to take your meds while when you brush your teeth, just to pair those behaviors together. Uh, just imagine that you had a combo toothbrush and pill bottle. <laughs> you you had your pill box attached to your toothbrush. <laughs> like, <laughs> Perfect. They're not going anywhere. There you go. Yeah. No, I, I think. Uh, yeah. If you have any wild ideas of how we can. Combine products into some form of a toothbrush, <laughs> a pillbox, or other things. You know, email us podcast at habitweekly.com. It'll be awesome to hear what ideas come out. But um, yeah, I think we've covered things in terms of payroll informed ideas and insights on how we can make it easier to, to take the, the medication. And maybe we can segue to making it attractive. And I guess you're already talking about bundling now. And I think a lot of people, when they hear bundling, if they're in kind of the, call it the behavioral science space, they're very prone to now think about temptation bundling. Oh. Do you have any thoughts there? Because obviously it also lends itself to a very popular metaphor or story used with temptation bundling, mm -hmm. which is a little bit of... What oh, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. There yeah. you go. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, <laughs> Yeah, what are your thoughts about temptation bundling? I mean, you could always <laughs> take your medication with a spoonful of sugar, <laughs> for example. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> problem solved. Yeah, problem solved. There are other ways to do that, I suppose. I'm not sure that any medical professional would uh, recommend this, but you know, you you could if you don't drink juice normally and you want to give yourself a little treat to incentivize yourself to take your medication, you could you would always take it with juice instead of with water. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like a net positive in terms of for many of those things. If you have like something that, you know, you you can you can especially the whole idea is obviously that you have to be somewhat disciplined in terms of like only, you know, in that case, drinking juice when you take your medicine. Mm -hmm. to kind of exactly. That level yeah, of that's, your, that's your one cup uh, of juice for the day. And that's kind of what makes it also be less likely to be probably like a large scale successful intervention because you kind of, it's hard to really engineer that type of level of commitment and motivation uh, among users in the same way. You can probably like spark some of those ideas with kind of, providing inspiration, but it's a little bit harder to probably implement. So 
what are other ways we can make things more attractive? And actually, before we move in there, is there something we need to say about attractive stuff? We, we're not talking about making things more, per se, visually appealing, mm, more like yeah, generally, generally I do appealing. think that, that visual appeal fits into this category, for sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, but, you know, I, with medication, I think the, the first thing you think about is the taste. Um, so yeah, so exactly. making it a more pleasant experience. There are lots of ways that you can make it a more pleasant experience. Um, and, and in line with the, the spoonful of sugar idea, I think there are lots of other ways in the formulation of the medication itself. Like if you, if you, uh, you know, have a, a sweet coating on the pill or, you know, <laughs> I haven't, I have a lot of experience with gummy vitamins, right? Gummy vitamins are pleasant to take. It's like you're eating candy. Um, They're taking over all... America, it feels like. I feel like I see so many <laughs> gummy varieties these days. Anytime I see like, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. How many, and how many gummy varieties would you have at home? I would just take one, uh, one gummy multi multivitamin. Okay. Okay. Or mm. do you mean in terms of actual, actual medication? Yeah, actual medication. Like, I'm just interested, like, is there some, I don't know, is, is there any too many gummies? Or is this more gummies better? Could we live in a world where you're <laughs> Yes, like... I think you can have too many gummies. <laughs> I do believe that. That's <laughs> I'm just trying to like, obviously we have this image of like what medicine looks like. Yeah. Uh, and I was just taking a step back and imagining a world where all medicine looks like gummies. And uh-huh. whether that's a good thing and po- maybe it's not possible uh, for obviously some things. But yeah. Is it a problem if some things are gummies and not, some things are not? Would you prefer if all things are one thing? I don't if you have think so. Medication, for example. I mean, if if you, there are some medications that are that have a bad enough taste that you don't want them to be gummies, I think, or the amount of sugar that you'd need to compensate for the for the un, the unpleasant flavor would would make them a you know too giant to eat. Um, and so I do think that there there are some things that really should just be swallowed. You know, get it down as quickly as you can, assuming that that the the user is capable of doing that. But there are there are other ways as well. You know, if it, in a in a non gummy situation that you can make something more pleasant to swallow. You know, it, there are there are pills that are just far too big and are much harder to swallow. And two pills mm. might be better than one giant horse pill. But then yeah. there's also the opposite problem. I've had I've had medications before that are so tiny and light that it actually is hard to get it down your throat. So you don't you don't want it to be so light that it's hard to swallow and you don't want it to be so big that it's hard to swallow. You have to, you know, get into this this uh this nice sort of Goldilocks balance of um getting the right like I don't know, like ingestion ratio. Yeah. I guess I should have done a little more research on so Ray Kurzweil and Brian Johnson and the folks of like taking 60 pills every morning and every Ooh. evening. Like there's some people that are like really longevity focused that live by taking enormous amount of pills and I actually haven't looked into. I would be careful about attributing causation <laughs> in that scenario, <laughs> right? What are you saying? They're, that like, they're living a long time because of these all of the pills they're taking. Yeah, it seems well, very yeah, likely gonna, to I, me. I don't want to get into the, to the whole uh, longevity optimization cult of sorts. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> I, I'm just, it's, it's just fascinating for me to see like someone is like, yeah, you know, every day I take 100 pills in the morning. Like that seems like just a very unpleasant and uh, difficult thing to do. Okay, so we talked about in terms of thinking, maybe specifically in terms of the medication pills, for example, or, you know, that kind of stuff, how you can make that maybe more pleasant or more attractive as we're focusing on. But yeah, do you have any thoughts about packaging and design beyond that? Oh, yeah. Um, so, so we know that there's lots of emphasis placed on marketing um, and, and, you know, the, the formulation of medication itself. Um, but I think that the that thinking um, about clever ways to innovate on the the packaging and the the bottle itself, the casing. I think there's a there's a real opportunity there. This this really sort of often goes totally untouched, right? You you don't see much attention being paid to the pill bottle. If you think about the the pill bottle that your medication comes comes in as a default, it's often 
very unattractive, right? Like yeah, It's almost 100%. the epitome uh, of an unattractive thing. Sort of hard to read, hard to find the relevant information. Um, so, so lots of room for improvement, even just in terms of simplifying and, and making it easier to understand, right? Um, but then yeah. there, are, there are also opportunities on top of that to, to you know, Make it make it even more attractive beyond the basics. It could even be something fun. And if, if you think about like if you were designing a pill bottle for children, maybe it, it looks like something like a Pez dispenser or, Ooh. you know, there's, I there's loved, a game. I loved Pez when I was a kid. That was like, <laughs> but not anymore. Well, I haven't had it in a long time. I'm sure I would like it oh, as much yeah, today. Yeah. But uh, I, I do remember just that like completely... You know, the, the pest things are not that exciting, but because they were no. delivered in the way they were, exactly. it was like such a rewarding, rewarding feeling. Um, it's just the delivery itself that makes it, it exciting. So imagine you were taking yeah. your medication out of a out of a Darth Vader, you know, like a pill bottle. Like that would be so cool. Um. Yeah, I can't imagine it. I'm not a big Star Wars fan, unfortunately, but I, I can't imagine this this working very well. And uh, yeah, I I remember Arthi mentioned a little bit about just kind of making the packaging maybe more sleek, for mm-hmm. example, so that it's a little bit more like maybe removing some stigma about like you might feel, you know, a little bit bad taking up this pill bottle that looks like it could be anything inside and you don't want to signal that you're sick or that you're not feeling well, for example. And so it becomes this kind of like embarrassing thing to bring with you. So just, Yeah. Finding ways to make it more subtle could also work quite well sometimes. Um, right. Even though subtleness might work against, uh, you know, something being salient and something you remember to do. Any yeah. more? Any more things here? Any more packaging? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, beyond if you can think about other ways to make it fun, if there were a game associated with your with your medication taking, right? So it, it's not just that you've done it and you get to check it off the list, but you've done it and you know, and and there's there's something there's a fun challenge or it plays a song that uh, that you have to guess, uh, you know, like what is the song? And if you <laughs> if you if you guess the song correctly, um, then you, you then you can you start accumulating points and you know for the for, for the more our more uh, gamification inclined <laughs> users um this could be a, a really fun activity and they want to rack up <laughs> rack up their medication points yeah yeah i think it it's it's something where i feel a little bit like the p- piano staircase people might know about that example in terms of <laughs> yeah. you know making more like you hate people. the piano staircase <laughs> i do I, I i for some reason it's like the thing I have a strong uh, opinion about, just because it's like it's a cool, fun video to showcase. But then, who wants to every time they walk down the subway have this like really loud sounds? And especially a lot of people running down those stairs, it's going to be like not the most pretty sound as well. So I feel like you know, I'll tell there's you some who. form of like my okay. toddler. <laughs> would love that (laughs) and he would never get where he's trying to go because he would just stay on the piano stairs for hours and hours and it would never get old (laughs) but yeah something that i'm 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 more positive towards idea i think it's something that you shared ahead of this uh, in some way i think you meant something about like Mark Jacobs or Louis Vuitton, something. Mm, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so so I actually I, I had this idea that that maybe you could you know, go go the fashion forward route, right? For those who <laughs> who, who care about their appearance, and uh, actually, I so I googled designer pill bottle to see does this exist? Does anyone make this? Okay. Uh, I did find a Louis Vuitton monogrammed bottle. Um, I also found a, a pretty pill box recommended by Wirecutter. It's it's kind of like this. It's very sleek and discreet. Kind of looks like an eyeglasses case. It looks like just something you would throw into your purse. Um, and yeah, it's like I, I think this that that falls more into the discreet category that Arthi was talking about because you, you wouldn't know that it's a pill bottle unless you or a pill box actually unless you slid it open and you saw the trays. But yeah, I think, you know, for those who want to show off their medications rather than hide them, um, there are all sorts of, of, uh, of fashionable approaches that you can that you could use to make your pill bottle more attractive. 
Yeah, no, I, I like that. And I'm now just thinking about various ways to kind of just signal to people's various types of also like identity uh, kind of things, whether that's being fashionable or, you know, maybe leading into some people that like are really wanting to optimize for their health in various ways. And, you know, if they are happen to be taking something like uh, athletic greens, I think what they've done well with those kind of supplements, which is still like unclear how well they actually work, but they sell the idea of, of doing something positive for yourself, taking like mm-hmm. something every day that that's kind of a vote for your healthier self. And I don't know if, if there's some ways to kind of better align, you know, the idea, because it's kind of like, it's, it's kind of a framing problem in some ways where obviously medication you take because you're sick or have high risk of getting sicker or becoming sick, but you're taking it to become healthier. So I'm also thinking mm-hmm. like there's some right. ways to frame it in a more positive, more kind of empowering um, Like what I'm doing way. for my health, not like what I need because my health is, is uh, you know, in, in jeopardy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think we have totally exhausted the category of attractive. Um, <laughs> but to our listeners, if you have any other ideas of of how to make a, a pillbox or a pill bottle more attractive with behavioral design, please shoot us an email and let us know. But so, but what do you think about uh, our, our next category is social? This one's a little bit controversial. Uh, if we think back to our, our beginning discussion about asking people about <laughs> about their medications or, or their health issues or their you know that the whole category of of health itself, especially you know with the more medical side of health, not the more wellness side. You know, it's a little bit tricky territory. What do you think about making adding a social element to to medication management? Yeah, well, it definitely feels like this kind of um, this thing that could either become like a huge ally or or increased chance of you taking medication, or maybe potentially something that risks uh, reducing it. Being kind of the people around the person, so how can they kind of, in some ways, create allies around them or supporters or people that can kind of like help them. And it's a little bit tricky because things like, let's say, crucial conversations or stuff like this when it comes to supporting people in being better at kind of talking to their loved ones, uh, I think it often comes up when it comes to something like, let's say, someone needs to change their diet, but then, you know, they have a partner or, you know, kids and various things. And it's hard to mm-hmm. renegotiate what's brought home. And it's hard to figure some of those things out and it can be useful to get some advice and support on how to talk and how to maybe, you know, get people on board with what you're trying to do. But at the same time, it's something we naturally have a lot of anxiety around and, and, and it's it's tricky to to open up and talk about things like that, even with maybe sometimes your partner, but especially if it goes to kind of beyond the near family and you have to talk to your let's say, <laughs> anything like friends, colleagues, that can become like really anxiety-inducing to kind of admit some of these things or, you know, talk about some of those stuff. So, yeah. yeah. What are your thoughts about that? Well, I think the the social category as a whole is a really good example, actually, for how essential personalization is. And really, mm-hmm. it's because the some some people are really drawn to having accountability buddies and bringing in their family to their health decisions and 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 you know ha- having those conversations. And then other people really shy away from them. And it just I think so much speaks to this need for not having a one size fit all approach, um, but personalizing to the individual's preferences and needs and so on. And just understanding that that a social solution is not going to be for everyone. It's going to be really helpful for some people, but um, but definitely not for others. Yeah. And do you have any bet in terms of, obviously, again, we can think about this more personalized point of view, but you know, this idea that you can either leverage some form of support that is some strangers, but there happen to be going through something similar like you are. So, you know, it's something that you could come up, you know, come across at some form of like, let's say, as an example, I know Mata Health does this quite a lot where they have programs that kind of bundles a bunch of people that are trying to achieve something similar. They're kind of coached by uh, someone who has gone through that program before as mm-hmm. kind of some form of added support or coach. And then they're going through X amount of steps together. Uh, but they don't know each other outside of this context. So they don't have to worry about kind of like, will people talk about 
this stuff at work? Will people, you know, X, Y, and Z? So you don't have to be kind of worrying about that as much. But at the same time, you can probably argue that like the people that are actually in their social circuit will be more impactful in terms of helping ensure that they stick to whatever they need to follow on with and and really could potentially be even more able to help them. How do you think about those two two type of social interventions? (laughs) Well, well, I feel like you're setting me up again because I've actually run this study (laughs) with a a very large trial with Novartis back when I was at Duke. Unfortunately, I don't know the results because I left before it was finished. I haven't seen seen it published, Um, but it was was a very, it was a longitudinal study. So it, it, it went on for many years, but we actually randomly assigned patients, heart failure patients to one of these conditions. So they they each had a, uh, each condition had a care circle. And some of them, one of the conditions had, was uh, asked to invite their, you know, their, whoever they wanted, right? Their, their close family members, um, up to a certain number of people. So they created their own, their own care circle of people that they wanted to, uh, to stay updated in their, their health plan. And then we had another group of exactly what you described it, it wasn't so much that the that they that they were paired with people who had already been through their situation and were now experts on that but it was other people who were going through the same thing at the same time so other mm. other heart failure patients who were also in the study um, and the idea was, was like who knows what's gonna <laughs> You know, the only way to find this answer is to test it. So I, I would still love to know which is which is the more impactful route. I do suspect that the close family members are going to have a stronger influence. I think it's it's much easier to ignore strangers than it is uh, is your family members. Of course, it's also going to depend on you know how invested are your family members in checking in on you. Are they paying attention, or yeah. is it just you know the information is flowing in and and you know no, nobody's nobody cares about it. Um, so yeah, lots of it depends in this answer, um, and I think that's you know that's generally true for our health and and generally t- true for digital tools, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I wish I wish I had all the answers. Yeah, I I would love to find out those answers as well. It's it's interesting as well because I would like an, an extension of that type of experiment. What I would be really curious to understand and and see how it plays out is the study of abstinence violation effect when it comes to usually that's looked at when it comes to like something like drinking related, maybe addiction or some form of thing where someone is trying to abstain from from doing some form of thing and they're having some social support in, in mm-hmm. trying to abstain from this. But then they fail to abstain. Like they they have, they go to, you know, alcohol uh, anonymous uh, and they have some sponsor, but then they end up drinking. Will they tell that person uh, or will they kind of feel really embarrassed because they've kind of let someone down and yeah. then kind of spiral in the wrong way. And and that's sadly something that can obviously happen in, in many cases. And, and sometimes, you know, it's been the case with some interventions that I've been doing where it's it's maybe a little bit less stakes in terms of maybe it has to do with their eating behavior, but mm. it still hurts when you're supposed to, you know, let's say an app tells you that today it's, it's good if you have a, this salad and then you mm. end up having a pizza, going into that app, admitting to the app that actually... I had a pizza instead and seeing the calories just go through the roof or yeah. whatever. I've, it's painful to admit. It's painful to it's admit. True. So just, it's true. It's yeah, true. Yeah. But people are much more honest with their sort of anonymous devices than they are with people, right? So so I think that yes. that you you would see less uh, a less a lower likelihood of someone lying to their nutrition app than they would to a friend. Yeah, but that's where I wanted to test experiment as well, where, mm-hmm. you know, if we had three scenarios, like either th- they 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 have committed to some form of like app that's supporting them, or they have this this circle of fellow uh, patients or fellow people that are going through a similar journey but are more kind of further from the social circle, or they have that family of nominated or like group of nominated people. Which one would be more likely to kind of suffer the abstinence violation effect from? So that's just a caveat to that experiment. If if anyone ever runs it again, uh, let let me know. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Do we have anything more to say about uh, about social before we move on to personalization? No, I think we should we should finish off and talk about personalized. And we've kind of planted some seeds here. We'll yeah. talk about some of these things along the way in terms of why it's important, how it could be done. But yeah, 
given that you fought to have this as its own thing. Like, tell me more. What, <laughs> Repl- what, yeah, replace. <laughs> replace replace timely. Uh, sorry, behavioral insights. Yeah, I feel like I need to like, <laughs> like send an apology. <laughs> I'm sorry, I've butchered your framework. Yeah, I mean, no, you're right. I, there are threads of personalization through every one of the other categories, and in many ways, you know, everything must be personalized. But yeah, I, I think like one major area, it just goes back to the number of pills, the complexity of the medication regimen. You know, what is your schedule like? Can you use a pill bottle or do you need a pill box? Do you need, you know, how much organization do you actually need in terms of compartments? If you have a a ton of pills on a simple schedule, you know, that's fine. You take them all at, at one time. But as soon as you have, a, you know, a before breakfast, after breakfast, lunch, dinner, before, you know, before bed and so on, it gets really complicated in terms of separating things. And, or, you know, you have uh, you know, this, this one can be taken every four hours and this one can be taken every six hours. This one has to be taken with water and it can get really complicated really easily. And so, yeah, for, for a situation like that, you have to design a, uh, a much different solution than for the person who's, who's taking one thing, right? Yeah, so complexity is the enemy in many ways here, like understanding how, how we solve for that. Do you have any ideas or how we can, can manage that somehow? I mean, there are definitely some solutions out there on the market. So when we were talking to Arthi, we were joking that that the pill bottle she created was, you know, the $100 pill bottle. Um, I've actually found a much more expensive. (laughs) Actually, it's this massive smart dispenser. And it looks kind of like a a coffee machine that you essentially program your very complicated schedule into. You dump all your pills into it. And, you know, it it, it dispenses exactly what you need when you need it. But it is bulky. It is expensive. It's something like 30 or Fifty dollars a month, and you know you can't take it anywhere. You have you can only take your medications at home. It's like a very, um, it's personalized for complexity, but it's not personalized for something like you know someone who must travel or like mm. someone who needs to to take their medications on the go. If you think of the the, there are some some larger pill boxes that still have a, a removable compartment. So if you you can you can have your massive organization at home, but then you can still you know take out your you know your lunch and dinner meds and bring them with you if you need to, which seems like maybe a better compromise if you can if you if your complexity is not so high that you need this massive smart dispenser, then I think a, a basic pillbox can be, a, you know, just a, a, an adequate solution. Yeah. This reminds me of like how, uh, how just everything we do when we kind of basically get out of our <laughs> confinement of our home reduces risk of our habits sticking. Like it's just, we, mm-hmm. do, we introduce so much mess, when we, especially when we travel in terms of I think that's an interesting part of, you know, uh-huh. of course people travel for work maybe, but, you know, what if they have to go for, what what if they have to sadly go for a very nice vacation? That can still yeah. be uh, uh, an issue. You in can't terms go of, on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> like, <you're not> <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it is tricky in terms of kind of mitigating for that. Um, yeah. Or personalizing for that more unpredictable pattern that some mm-hmm. people might be inclined for and and there you're kind of have to figure out the best of worse setup like obviously the one you illustrated like the the hero whatever machine it's hard to beat that but then you're stuck at home you can't leave the home and so on and so yeah uh, it seems like whatever other personalized solution might be deficient in some ways in that like okay if you bring it with you in the car you might forget about it in the car or you Mm -hmm. might there's a lot of those challenges that I think it's it's interesting to consider. And I guess context yeah. will differ in terms of what's needed. But uh, Context matters. There are upsides and downsides to every solution. And yeah, I suppose we don't have all the answers other than <laughs> like, there's an infinite number of ways to, to personalize and that should be done in some way. <laughs> yeah, it depends. If we had now like a very clear understanding of what the medication was, what the audience was, and so on, uh-huh. I guess it would be easier to kind of approach this this one. Doesn't mean that it's, you know, again, 
not important. It's super important, but I think it's it's especially a good example where even you and I right now, we we are a little bit limited in terms of not really having a defined thing to personalize for. It's true, but we do yeah. have a pretty good starting point, I think. We yeah. have some some nice rules of thumb that that you can start from in order to design if you did have more information about the situation. Yeah. Now, honestly, this has been really great. I think this is one of the more fun product details in many ways. And, you know, it's always fun whenever I say something, you kind of having another ace up your sleeve to say like, yeah, I did I did that <laughs> research. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. always... What if we did that? I did do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so that I think this has been awesome. Any closing thoughts about pillboxes? Yeah, I think that that our easy, attractive, social, and personalized framework works. It, it really served us pretty well here, and and I think we could we could recycle it in the future as well. Yeah, yeah, we'll see if uh, BIT forgives us for making. Some I know we're going to get sued. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but right. Yeah, I hope uh, everyone enjoyed this as well. If you have any further ideas, just reach out. Uh, podcast at happyweekly.com. Thank you so much for listening, supporting everything we do. This was the final uh, product deep dive of this season, but hopefully more more to come next season. And again, all of your messages is really, I think, welcomed. It's it's always, I don't know, Lynn, do you agree that like there's few things that makes you feel as happy as when someone uh, compliments? Uh, I completely agree. <laughs> Nothing yeah. brings me more joy. <laughs> Yeah. So thanks for that. And thanks for listening. Hope you have a great day and uh, take your pills. Yeah. Time to wrap up another episode of the Behavioral Design Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Oh, and I am an AI. Yeah. Welcome to Uncanny Valley. Sam and Aline told me this is going to be an awesome season. So make sure to subscribe and help spread the word. Maybe share the podcast with a colleague or friend. And if you want to show us some extra love, head over to Habit Tweakly. Come and join our community. Pro members get access to a wealth of resources and the chance to interact with leading practitioners. It's a great way to support the podcast and deepen your understanding of behavioral design. Our fantastic show music is Murgatroyd by the wonderful Dave Pizarro. And thanks to the team at Orange Wall Media for the production of this episode. For questions or ideas for future episodes, email podcast at habitweekly.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening. See you next time. Heavens to Murgatroyd. Oh, do, 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 do,